Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. We are back. And it was totally my fault, guys. I was moving. And that took about five days of my life. And then I had a little mix-up with the internet. I moved, and they, the uh, Spectrum, they mailed me the boxes, but they had to have someone come set it up. So, But I finally got it, so we're back together. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Good morning, Rob. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Back and better than ever. Glad to be back. Glad to be doing this. I thought about doing it without you, but I just knew it wasn't going to be the same. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? Let Rob get settled. We'll, we'll we'll catch up. We'll get right. I thought about it too. I could I could do it on my phone, but I'm like, you know what? It just ain't the same without my boy Tom. So look out for this, folks. We have a new sponsor coming up soon. It's called Rival Fantasy, and I and it, it sounds really cool. They have three new games. I think one's bingo, and one's something to do with uh, over and under, and it sounds really cool and we'll give you a promo code and you can bet up to 50 bucks. And if you lose, you get your money back. So that sounds pretty cool. I know Tom's pretty interested in it. Absolutely. As a daily fantasy player currently with some of the big boys and DraftKings, FanDuel, I look forward to checking this out. I'll definitely be playing, definitely be trying to pass along some of the knowledge. If you guys are trying to play, maybe, you know, lay out where I think, you know, the advantages are that kind of thing. All right, so we did talk about opening day. The Astros lost three to two. So on this episode, guys, what we're going to do is kind of just touch on the rest of the game since there we since we missed what five games, or did we miss six? We missed six games. <laughs> wow. All right, so game two, Christian Javier went five innings. And that's kind of what you expect out of them. Eight hits, three runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. Not not the greatest performance ever. Uh, Kyle Tucker had a home run and two RBIs. Jordan had three RBIs. A uh, big uh, bases clearing double. That that was a big moment. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing that I've I've kind of seen, kind of noticed that I think some of the fans, some of the Astro faithful, need to kind of understand is. The rotation last year was elite, elite, elite. And I think they're they're due for a little regression. Yes, I still think they're very, very good. But I just think that the days of, you know, I think CJ should just pitch a no-hitter, you know, every fifth day. You know, you got you got to tone that back, got to scale it back a little bit. I really think that this wasn't, like I said, or like you said, I'm sorry. It wasn't his sharpest start, but I think this is probably a fair... You know, maybe he could have won another inning. I think when he gets more stretched out, as we'll see, you know, in his next start, I think this is what you're going to see from a lot of the guys in the rotation. These guys are really good. I just think that thinking that they're going to hold everybody down isn't a thing. I think for the most part, 
even though these guys maybe, you know, went between four and six innings and they allowed three runs, that seems like about the average. If the offense is there, I mean, they, they still give the Astros a chance to win. So it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, I think really what, what you're going to see as we talk more about these games is the offense isn't there yet. And we knew it wasn't going to be there. We knew they're missing a couple key cogs. We expected a lot from the young guys. And and we'll talk about it. Some of them are are, are trending up. Some of them are kind of trending down. So. so the Astros win game two, six to three. We go to game three. And the Astros win six to four. Jose Arquiti, four innings, not a very long outing, seven hits, three runs, one walk and five strikeouts. He gave up two runs. Kyle Tucker had two RBIs. Jordan Alvarez and Abreu both had an RBI. And Pena finally had a decent game going two for four. So it feels good. You know, we lose the first game. We win the next two. We're two and one, feeling pretty good. Absolutely. Again, the 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 overarching theme the first week that we're gonna they're gonna see we're gonna talk about is how these pitchers aren't really stretched out to the to the length that we kind of like them to be. I think this is a lot of precautionary stuff because these guys are young guys and you want to protect those arms. So slowly out the gate, taxing on the bullpen as as I guess we'll get into here a little bit later. But good to see the offense doing what what we hope that it will do, and. A great start for Abreu. You kind of wondered about him after the first game. He he rebounded, starting to pile up hits. Oh yeah. Tuck, what 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 else can we say about Tuck and Yordan? They're they're just super special. Uh, they're gonna they're really gonna carry this team while uh, Altuve's out, while Brantley's out. So for them to get started hot, still hadn't got to Bregman at this point, but you know Alex Bregman's gonna be there, and that's when this thing's really gonna hit its stride. Yeah, Bregman, even though he's not doing well, you're still not worried about it. You know he's going to come around. You know he's one of the best baseball players in the world, so you don't really have to worry about it. The Astros lose game four and split the series two to two. They lose six to three. Luis Garcia, five innings, seven hits, three runs. All three of those pitchers in games two, three, and four allowed three runs. I think they went five, four, and five, so it was all kind of – the same average, uh, two walks, four strikeouts, a home run. Um, a bright spot, Abreu and Hensley both got RBIs. But runners in scoring position was bad for the Astros in game four. Three for 14 with runners in scoring position. They left 12 men on base. And when we talked about this series coming up, I pointed out the Chicago White Sox that rotation, I don't know how good they are, but they're all well-known, solid starting pitchers, and it was a tough series. Absolutely. I believe that was Mike Clevenger's start. Clevenger, while he's not a good human being in any stretch of the imagination <laughs> yeah. for all of the things off the field, is a relatively decent pitcher. Uh, he's got a funky delivery. He's got a weird timing thing, which some people feel that he shouldn't be allowed to do because it's it's – He's tap dancing on the mound the same way uh, Luis Garcia would be, but whatever. But he pitched well, and uh, when he's going to pitch well, they're they're going to have a chance to win over there. So credit to those guys. You just kind of tip your cap. 
not not the worst start in the world to go two and two. The Astros are notorious starters in the past, and 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 I'll get to it more later. But it's just one of those things where if they just tread water, I think they'll be fine. Which one of these games did Presley kind of come in and blow it? Was that the, the first, first one. game of the year? Yeah. So we lose three to two, and I think he came in and gave up two of the runs, maybe. Correct. And Montero gave up the other one, which was was one of those things that like not on my bingo card. Yeah. So it's 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 opening week. That's something that all right, we're, we're ironing out the kinks. We've we've seen these guys are battle tested. <clears throat> I think over the long haul, that's going to be a, a, a one off and not the the norm. You mentioned bingo. That is another game on rival fantasies. I guess. You get a bingo card with different things that, you know, maybe the cycle, somebody throws nine. I don't know exactly what it is, but if certain things happen and you have it on your bingo card, you win. So looking forward to doing that. Um, Anyway, we go to Detroit or, I mean, we play Detroit. And you're uh, to me after losing game one and end up, you know, two and two split. So you take two out of three. Then you got Detroit, who aren't very good. They didn't have a win coming into the series. You never know what to expect because there there was a there was a time we were like the juggernaut of the league, and they come in to Minute Maid Park and sweep us. My confidence confidence was high, but it what happened happened. You know, uh, game one, Detroit won seven to six. Hunter Brown four and two thirds innings gave up six hits and four runs, three walks and five strikeouts. I read something, comments from uh, fans that maybe Dusty left him out there a little too long because he looked tired, he looked frustrated. What do you think about that? I sort of disagree. I felt like he got the wrong the 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 wrong end of the calls towards the end, and he ended up walking some guys that you know, the 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 count started two zero instead of one one, and they just put him in a bad spot, and he was really trying really hard. Not to give up that big knock. Hunter, I thought, pitched really well. A lot of his runs early on were singles, the opposite way, defensive swings. He had the strikeouts going. He didn't look bad. It was just one of those games where he probably deserved better, in my opinion. Obviously, everybody's got their own opinion. Uh, It's easy to say Dusty left him out there longer, but as we just spoke about, all of the starts leading up to his start, the bullpen was taxed. So you were trying to get the length wherever you could get it. Um, we we obviously didn't know where Presley was. Montero had worked, Stanek had worked, Abreu had worked. All up, you know, all the heavy hitters for the Astros in the bullpen had worked, and and you know, 20, 30 pitches. So you really tried to save them as much as you could because it's a long season for them too, and knowing that. They're probably carrying an extra starter because Lance is down. You kind of don't have that same depth in the bullpen that you'd like. So Renel Blanco got to pitch a lot, which he looks amazing. Uh, Going to be really tough to to pull him when Lance comes back. So I understand Dusty's reasoning behind leaving Hunter out as long <laughs> as he did. Just unlucky. I mean, I really think that if you looked at if you watch that game, a lot of those swings are really defensive. A lot of those singles were you know just punching it the other way because I they really didn't have an answer for him. I think the magic man was giving up some runs when he comes out. 
into the game as well. Jordan had a home run and four RBIs. Abreu had an RBI. And Payne, you went one for five, but he had an RBI. Game two, Detroit uh, wins six to three. Framber, seven innings, eight hits and three runs. He had one walk, nine strikeouts. Great. This is this is what Framber does. He goes in the seventh, eighth inning. Uh, Tucker, another home run, two RBIs. Corey Jolks, who I want to talk about in a little bit, two for four. This guy's really taking advantage of his opportunity. Absolutely. I think that's the the overarching theme of the first week of the, the, the season for the Astros. The bottom of the lineup and who is going to be able to take advantage of these bats that we're, as, as, as a fan base, looking for offense any which way we can get it. We've talked at, at length about where Tuck is doing his thing. Jordan's doing his thing. Abreu's doing his thing. Pena and Breggs are a little slow getting out the gate. But, I mean, in, in, in what we see a lot and what you talked about earlier is that runners in scoring position, these guys are all getting left on base with Hensley, Dubon, Jokes, Salazar, uh, Yiner Diaz, Maldi at the plate. So a lot has been asked from the bottom of the lineup. And so far, when when those guys are producing – you're seeing five, six, seven runs. When those guys aren't producing, you're seeing two, three, four runs, and it's the difference of the game. So you look at the top of the lineup. Pena's batting first, Bregman's batting second, and they're both struggling. I have the stats later in the game, but like if they're struggling and you're not getting any production from the eight and nine hole, that's like four black holes that's just hard to get some runs in. And the Astros are heavily, heavily, buddy. And this is probably an understatement, relying on Alvarez and Tucker to get runs across the plate. They really are. And and the thing that's, if you're an Astros fan, you love is that those guys are producing. You would think if I was the opposing team, and, and I feel like A.J. Hinch did this to, to an extent because that guy's super smart. He's kind of had our number. We did something like this last year where Detroit came in and you're like, oh, that's going to be a sweep. And then they take two out of three and they're like, what the hell's wrong with the Astros? It's just AJ Hinch is just a really good manager. He's not, he's not going to let, he's not going to beat himself. So credit to him on this series. Uh, he managed really well. And uh, some other young guys played really well, but if I'm him, I'm not messing with Jordan. I'm not messing with Tuck. Heck, I'm not even messing with Abreu right now because he's had hits. I want to say to this point he had hits in like six of the seven games or seven of the eight games, something like that, which for a lineup that's starved, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, Tucker and Alvarez and and uh, Abreu are the three guys that are batting over 300, but Corey Jolks is the fourth guy batting over 300, and that's very impressive. So the Astros win the last game, eight to two. So, so you come in with this losing record, and you even leave with a losing record, but you don't leave with a sour taste in your mouth. You leave with a huge eight to two win, and that made me happy. CJ six innings, five hits and one run, no walks and five strikeouts. Looks like he got his things back together there. Uh, Chaz Tucker Pena all had home runs and two RBIs each. And Corey Jolks, two for three. He went four for seven in the last two games of the series against Detroit. Very impressive. 
The Astros lose a series two to one, and they are now three and four on the season. They were supposed to play the Twins yesterday, and it got rained out, but they got the Twins coming up. I think it's a seven o'clock game tonight, or is it three? I know I wrote it down somewhere. But Saturday and Sunday, the games are at one. And I kind of like that. I, I on a weekend, I either like to wake up early and get things done. So I like early games. Let me get let me get my day started instead of let me go do stuff, but I gotta be home by six. You know, I kind of like the day games like that. Well then. Today you're in luck because the three ten start today. It's at three, right? I yeah, knew it. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was early. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, one thing about the Astros, and and if you've been paying attention, if you've been, you know, faithfully riding with this team, this is what they've done the last few years. They started six and eight, I think, two years ago. They started eleven and ten, or ten and eleven last year, and the sky was falling. The sky was falling, and then somewhere in the middle. They hit their stride. They run off like 15 out of 16 or something mm-hmm. like that. And everybody's going up. Oh, the Astros are good. So to the faithful fan base, I would tell you to relax. It's okay. Uh, three and four is not the end of the world. There are some worse records out there. The Mariners got off to a horrible start and everybody's projecting them to win the, win the damn division. And it's exactly. like, you know, the, 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 the Rangers are out here doing things and the angels are out here doing things. So I think that they are just fine. It's important for me to see Bregman get going. The last couple of games of that series, Bregman got going. Pena with a home run the last game of the series. If those guys can, you know, chip in with the way Tucker, Abreu, and Jordan are going, I think you're going to get all the offense <clears> you need, regardless of how bad the bottom of the lineup is. I'm sure we'll talk about it. There, there clearly seems to be guys that can be placed in the lineup right now that are performing. While while Dusty's tinkering a little bit, I think he needs to go ahead and just, hey, I need to stick with these hot hands and and stack up a couple wins. I don't re- really remember exactly what the quote was from Dusty Baker, but he says, I have so many people trying to tell me what to do and trust me, something I, I know what to do. Like I have way too many people asking me. But you said something and now I ran my mouth a little bit and I forgot, but now I remember. So the Astros are three and four. And even if they would have got swept by Detroit, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I know how good this team is. I know that uh, we got a couple of guys starting slow. I know we have Brantley out. We have Altuve out, who is like the leader of the team. We could be a 500 team after two months, and there will be zero panic over here. I am not, I mean, there's just, I know there's people that like to overreact, but I'm not even going to tell people to calm down because I don't feel it at all, dude. I don't feel worried. Three and four record, who cares? Like the guy in first place is four and three. Like win the series and they don't, don't win the series and we're in first place. It's just, it's not a big deal at all. Absolutely. Uh, the quote that Dusty had was, I'm not playing a video game over here. Which I love that quote because I feel like so often you get a lot of guys that, that, you know, do the whole video game thing when they bring guys in and, oh, why aren't we pinch hitting for so-and-so? Why aren't we doing such and such? And I'm like, ah, because then you don't have the catcher that you need behind the plate. Well, you can play so-and-so. And it's like, you really want to work in that position, you know, 
I want to say there was a, I was having a conversation with a guy on Twitter and Maldi was up and he's like, oh, he should have pinch hit for him. And I'm like, well, who the heck's going to catch? And it's like, oh, Salazar will. And it's like, we're going in extra innings. <laughs> I gave it to him. I was like, all right, touche. You know, like, all right, that's fine. But you want Salazar the, to come in and go 0 for 4? Is that what you want? <laughs> well, no, it was the end of the game. It was a pinch yeah, hit at the end of the game. So I understand it, but I understand Dusty's side too. Like I'm managing, you know, for 162, I'm not managing for one of one, which I think is important. But I just feel like sometimes he's just he's just being a little too cute. You know, Jake Myers, uh, Dubon, I think, I think just being a little cute sometimes. Dusty Baker also said something. I don't know why I keep losing my track of thought here, buddy. Um, How far are you into that coffee? <laughs> man, what did my wife put in this thing? I, I totally forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, let's look at the stats. I know it was about Dusty Baker. I just don't, I just can't think of what it is. All right. So Jeremy Pena was doing worse, but now he's hitting 200. He has a home run and four RBIs. 661 OPS. Bregman struggling at 138. No homers, no RBIs, 380 OPS. And listen to these guys 348, 345, 333. Two homers, zero homers, three homers, 21 combined RBIs. Jordan and Tucker's OPS is over 1,000. 1.217 for Tucker. 1.059 for Jordan. Abreu is at 785, which I guess he needs a little bit more home runs and uh, bring his slugging up a little bit. But if you look at the other side, the guys that are, I don't want to call them bench guys, but the guys that are going to come in and out of the game, Hensley's hitting 263. Chaz is 286. Jolks, 316. Jake is hitting 200, and Dubon's hitting 200. To me... Jake and Dubon are kind of the guys that shouldn't get much playing time, but somebody mentioned this, that before the final game when Chaz had a good game, Myers and Chaz were, were equal, but Chaz had a good game, and with the, such a short season, that's why his stats look so much better. The one thing I'll say with, with respect to those two, right, for me, Chaz had the homer, Chaz just feels like when you look at him, you look at his body language, when you look at the way he plays the game, he looks like the more confident player. Jake Myers, since he lost his spot, since he got hurt, has has not looked confident at the plate, not looked confident in the field. He's playing to not mess up. And for me, you just can't play that way. It's too much stress. You know, it's too hard. There are bats at the plate where he doesn't see a strike and he strikes out. And it's like, you can't, can't do that. I mean, even if, even if, you know, you're having like, like Bragman or Pena, for example, you got to be able to work in a count or work in a bat to get that count, you know, to your favor, you know, recognize the strike zone a little bit. Jake looks lost up there. He's had a couple of knocks. Won't, won't, won't take that away from him. But I really feel like when you look at the two players, you can just see one is clearly trying to, I don't want to use that. I don't, I don't want to say he's trying to, I mean, they're both trying, but one seems more secure and the other one seems more flustered. And I think if I'm dusty, I, I get it. You, if you think Jake is a long-term 
option, then you got to build him up. And that's, I think what Dusty's trying to say when he talks about how this is going, he's trying to build up some of these bench guys where Dubon, he can be trusted later in the game. Jay can be, can be trusted later in the game. But honestly, I'd rather you go get me Durden out of, out of Sugarland if you <laughs> want to, if you want that, I'd rather you go get me some guy that's not thinking about nothing, but just excited to be in the moment. Yeah. Those guys, I feel like, those two guys feel like so much pressure on them, especially when I see them at the plate. So have you ever played golf? I love golf. I'm watching the masters right now. All right. So I'm terrible at it, but I love it. Okay. So some people, they get so far into their own heads that they can't even hit a ball. They know how to hit the ball. So I'll tell you this. When I used to play, we played twice a week. I mean, for years and years at my other job. And I was the only one that wouldn't, hit a bucket of balls before we played. They're like, you're not going to practice. You're not going to warm up. And I'm like, no, I know how to play. I don't need to warm up. <laughs> I don't need to shank five balls into the, to the woods and and then not have any confidence. So, but anyway, confidence, that's the, that's what I was going to tell you about Dusty Baker. He said he has to give these guys, leave them in there to build their confidence. And uh, so that's what I wanted to say, but let me tell you this, buddy. I don't know if you noticed this, but I started doing like these little one and a half minute videos on uh, Facebook, on Facebook Reels, because for some reason I'm monetized on there and I hardly ever make those things. And my wife said, you have to make stuff and it has to be original. So I was like, hey, I'll just do little Astros things. So if you guys don't follow me on Facebook, go check it out. I'll make I make three little videos a day, but I just started. I just started yesterday, I believe. But I'm one day behind you because I still feel like it's Thursday because I just got home from work. And one of the things that I talked about, Tom, in one of them was Corey Jolks. I dedicated a whole episode to him. The guy, what, Friendship? Was it Friendstown? Where is it at? Something in- Friendswood. Friendswood. I know his friend something. Went to the University of Houston. We talked about this. No way in the world does this guy not get picked in the Rule 5 draft. This guy had 30-plus homers, 90-plus RBIs. Like, there's no way someone's going to get him. And you look at the Astros' top 30 list, he's number 30. Like, how do you have – how does this guy get so much disrespect? <clears throat> 30 homers, 90 RBIs. This guy's amazing. Nobody wanted him. and. I gave the guy zero, zero chance of making the roster. I, I made so many little roster possibilities. Never once crossed my mind that Corey Jokes would get make it, and he did, and he's taken advantage of it big time. I feel like he's got a little Altuve in him. And, and I say that to say, or I, when I say that, I mean, he's, the, he's, a, he's a smaller stature guy. And I, and I feel like he just doesn't fit the prototypical mold of your center fielder, left fielder, or whatever. And I think that's why people just don't don't respect what he's doing. If you look, if you just took his numbers at face value and said, okay, player A and player B, you're like, oh, give me player A all the time. And then you then you put a picture to it, and it's like, uh, eh, he's just a guy, right? Like nothing about Corey Joke stands out, but. Dude just works and yeah. hits and hits. And it, it's it's weird because 
I don't think that the Astros will need him long-term. I don't know what the future holds or whatever, but he's making it to where it's going to be hard to part with him because I, in, when we talked about it, I felt like oh, he's, a, he's a good trade candidate, you know, something that you could get for a piece that you needed at the trade deadline. Now, like, how do you do that? You know? Right now, everything everything about him looks good. He's already got that first hit out of the way. He's contributing. It's like, I'd rather see him before I'd rather see Jake, personally. But yeah. we'll see. So, so there's two trains of thought that I'm thinking of. How many people, how many teams that passed on this dude are regretting it at the moment? And then the other, the other idea is there's three guys that are hurt that are coming back. So three of these guys are going back to AAA. Could it be Jake? Could it be him? Who's it going to be? It could be the magic man. I don't know who it's going to be. But to me, if he can keep this up, how do you how do you get rid of this guy? Because he's definitely... Okay, this is, this is the other thing I want to say. If Altuve and Brantley were not hurt, this guy wouldn't even be on the team. So I, I think it's just an amazing story. I just love it. It really is. And uh, one thing I saw the other day, which they, which was kind of interesting, is they were pointing out homegrown talent. Uh, Bleacher Report, I think, did a thing where it was like they ranked each team by number of homegrown talent. And on the 40-man, the Astros have 25 guys that are their guys, not from anywhere else. That is quote unquote homegrown talent more than any other team. And it's just like, this is just another example of another guy that nobody wanted. It was like, all right. And every year they say that the the minor league system, the Astros ranks at the bottom and they just go find another guy that can hit and produce. Yeah. You got Dearden, you got jokes. You know, when you're talking about um, his stature, versus his stats let's say you look at the stats you're like wow this guy has got a lot of power you know that that's some impressive numbers and you look at his picture he's a big dude like Jordan Alvarez like you're gonna fall in love with this guy so you're saying just because he's small they're like hmm this guy's kind of little so they they underestimate him and maybe I don't know anything about his defense maybe he doesn't have a huge arm or 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 range I don't need but all I know right now is like when you look at his numbers and you look at him playing, it looks good. Yeah. All right. So Framber's had two starts. Javier's had two starts. Framber has a 1.50 ERA and Javier's at 327, but he has 11 strikeouts. Uh, Friday, uh, it's Arkady against Sonny Gray, who has a zero ERA. Garcia goes Saturday. He's at 540. Versus Ryan, who's one and zero with a one point five ERA, and then Hunter Brown seven seventy one, and this guy's name is Mail, M A H L E. I've never heard of this guy. Ma, Ma- it's it's pronounced Molly. Molly, woof, and he has a one point eight zero ERA. So you go into these three matchups, and it's three Astros pitchers that are struggling even though it's too early to say they've only, they've only pitched one game each. And these other guys, apparently they've had some great outings. Um, I'm not really making nothing of it, but that's just the, 
that's just the uh, pitching matchups. One thing that kind of works in their favor, Minnesota is incredibly cold right now. And uh, the ball tends to travel less in cold weather, you know. So I th- I project all three of these games to be low scoring. And that, that benefits all three of those guys to be able to give the Astros a chance to win. Obviously, Hunter, the big strikeout potential. You've got uh, Arkady, who's a fly ball guy, I would like to say a little bit. He works in the middle of the zone. So maybe that'll maybe that'll factor into it. Some of those things that would carry out of the ballpark will probably be not as, you know, bad fly ball, stuff like that. So we'll see. All right. So I have two things that I want to talk about, and then we'll do Tom's final thoughts. Just in case Tom was unaware of it, I sent him a picture of it. Now, if you are not a fan of the Oxy patch on their sleeve, Thank God you better be happy you're not a Mets fan. It's like the Presbyterian New York Hospital. It is the <laughs> it is a big square with with a red outline and the right and then the name of the hospital that doesn't even fit in the logo. It's just so much white. It's a huge patch and it's ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And it makes the oxy patch look amazing. And I think that's that's only one of like probably probably ten patches that people are gonna be like, man, this is awful. When you when you when this first came out and this became a thing, I was like, well, I looked at that oxy patch and I was like, it could be a lot worse. It really could. And then this this one comes out with the Mets and you're like, see, I told I told you, like that's really really ugly. It's like a huge bumper sticker on a jersey, and it's not going to be something that anybody's going to be a fan of. So it'll be interesting to see more and more as they come out. I wonder if some of the Blue Blood teams, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, if they just go, now we're not doing it because it looks so bad. And uh, we'll see. Yeah, so some people, you know how they're pretty good at uh, photoshopping. They actually took that Presbyterian logo and just put it on the front because the because it's so big and uh, it's pretty horrible. So be happy that you're not the Mets and the Mets are also three and four. So look at this, folks. The Mets are supposed to be one of the greatest teams because they spent so much money. The Mariners are really good and uh, the Astros are supposed to be really good. And did you see, I thought it was pretty amazing, the Pittsburgh Pirates swept the Red Sox. I wanted to, not that I hate the Red Sox, I just found that very interesting. Okay, number two. Did I? Did you want time to respond to that? All right. You're good, go ahead. So number two, I guess the Marlins had a throwback. They're going to wear throwback uniforms a certain day of the week. 1,000%, they should just wear that. That should be their uniform. It's so much better than this new uniform with the M. Oh, man. Whoever the guy was that they took the picture of coming out of the dugout, that I don't I don't even think we appreciated it. I know everybody loves retro and they like, you know, but it's so much nicer than what they have now. Yeah, that's Jazz Chisholm. They're, uh, I guess he was their second baseman. Now they're center fielder who recently got injured. It's a great look. It was always a great look. I think that stuff gets stale after a while. I mean, we talk about our throwbacks all the time going, man, I wish, I wish, I wish 
because yeah. they're such a great look. This was an example of that right there, right? There isn't anybody out there that doesn't think that teal jersey doesn't look great. Now, did they eventually get away from it and go to something else? Sure. But I really think this is something that the Astros and, and other teams should adopt, bring back a jersey. Now, I get it. It probably doesn't favor the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, or the Yankees, who have basically worn the same jersey since the beginning of time. But for everybody else, you know, it's 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 a I think it's a, a good idea. Would you be okay if the Astros got rid of the orange jerseys for a throwback night? I'd rather them get rid of the white, if I'm being honest. I like the orange. So they would just wear orange all the time unless they were in the throwback? Because I think the Marlins are doing it a certain day of the week. They've got the throwback whites with the star on it, Astros across the chest. That's that's how you solve it. Yeah, you have a white home jersey, you know, and a rainbow, rainbow mm-hmm. sleeves. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I know we always talk about this, but uh, love those. I just love, I love the uniforms now. You you made a good point, Tom, because we had the black and red, which are my least favorite of all time. And in 2013, they go to the American League and they bring back this orange and navy, and I w- I was like, wow. They should have never changed because this is the Astros. This is the Astros color and they should stay with it. I think they tweaked it a little bit. I don't think that was the original look, but I mean, nobody argues with it now. A lot of people, that's the first jersey they go to look for to buy. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I have. So it is time for Tom's final thoughts. Rob made a point not too long ago talking about the Mets, talking about the Mariners, talking about the Astros and how they their struggles. It's so early in the season. A lot of these teams are dealing with injuries, our team included. So I think that is one thing where it's a marathon, not a sprint. You really have to appreciate that and know that, hey, tomorrow's another game. We're, we're not to October yet where you got to sweat out every game. They're not going to win every game. In Major League Baseball, the idea is if you win two-thirds of your games, you're a pretty good ball club. So I still think they have every opportunity to do that. I project them to be 101 and 61. That that's the number that I got with some friends at work. That's not uh, uh that's not saying they're gonna go 162 and 0. So understand that this team is is on the come up and they will be better. You know, we had the episode where who's gonna play, who's gonna lead off for the Astros. And my pick was Kyle Tucker. Highest, I don't know, I don't know if his batting average is higher than Jordan's, but leader on the team and on base percentage leader on the team in walks. However, I don't think you want to put him first because he's also the leader in home runs and you would like to have some people get on before him. So, but anyway, if you go on on base percentage and you go on walks, that would be the best pick, but he's the home run hitter too. All right, folks. So if Tom's up for it, we'll be back this weekend. I have nothing to do, but uh, clean the house. So anyway, for Tom, this is your host, Rob Fontenot. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.